So we are, for those of you who are visiting, we have been making our way uh, through Philippians. So please turn to the book of Philippians if you have your Bible with you. We're in chapter chapter 4, chapter 4 of Philippians. Um, for those of you who have been following uh, along, you, if you recall the last time we looked at this portion of Scripture, from chapter 4, verse 1 to 9, we've been taking it step by step. Uh, we called it Run Together for the Gospel. And we saw how the Apostle Paul, he gave these three imperatives to, to the church so that the church would run uh, faster and harder for Jesus Christ, to live their lives fully for Christ. And he said to them in verse 1 of chapter 4, Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm. Uh, keep your post. And then he went on to say, as another command, rejoice in the Lord always. And then in verse 5, he says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. And now Paul still continues in this train of thoughts, which is in verse 6 and 7 of chapter 4, for our text this morning. Now look at our text and look at what it says. Be Anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Before we begin, I must confess to you, I thank the Lord that I'm able to preach on every first week of the, the first week of the year because every text can be applicable to a New Year's resolution. And this is one text that definitely we want to include in our New Year's resolution. For instance, think about it. For our text this morning, who wants to begin 2024 in being anxious? Who wants to start this year by having uh, stress and anxiety attacks? Who wants to begin the year this way? But here's the thing, brothers and sisters, it's in the Scriptures, and that means that we, even as Christians, can be anxious but God wants us to experience him run faster with his peace with his peace that we may experience God all the more in our lives as we begin uh, this year that many of us will say good riddance to 2023 I'm sure that every single one of us in this place has a story to tell about 2023 Right? Oh, amen. It's just me. I just had a bad year. All of you had a good year? Well, then this, this, this sermon is not for you. All right? But all of us can say, we, we pray that we can have a better year this year. Right? That, that's, that's our New Year's resolution. So if we want to make a New Year's resolution, brothers and sisters, we need to go to God for the solution. If we're going to make any New Year's resolution, we come to God because the Lord does not leave us with our issues and with our problems as we will see here in our texts. But rather, He gives His beloved children 
this supernatural peace so that his children may be able to endure whatever trial, whatever testing they are facing, that they may run faster for Christ, be better soldiers for Christ, praise Christ and Him all the more, and Him alone crucified. I'm reminded as I was reading this text of, of the prophets who went before us, who were cut in two. The apostles who were stoned and left to die. The reformers who were, who were burnt at the stake. How did they endure such such things. Weren't they anxious? What was happening to them? Who gave them hope and strength and peace at that moment? That a reformer would say, let all of me be burned and hold the Bible out this way. Who gave them that strength? We are not freed from trials and tribulations of life. And I've said this and I'll say it again. If you're young, and you don't have any suffering or trials or tribulations in life, just hang in there. All right? And you will get them. They're coming. At, at, you know, they say that it's coming at a theater near you. It is coming for you. But what better way for you young people who think everything is okay to be prepared to say, how do I deal with life issues? Being anxious, brothers and sisters, I want to share this with you, and then we'll, we'll start. It will cripple your faith. It will kill the joy of the Lord in you. Being anxious will weigh you down, where you will no longer be one who is running for the gospel. It will stunt your growth, stop your Christian walk, and make you useless for the kingdom of God. As Paul begins now to end this letter, he starts to give them a little bit of a practical application on how they ought to run their lives. And this is crucial. Why? Because we have seen through Philippians, for those of you who are visiting, that they were having problems. They were having persecution, false converts, false brethren, false teachers, lack of love, selfishness. All these things were happening in that church. And all these things can happen to us. Now, being anxious is also being concerned. Now, I am not saying we shouldn't be concerned about certain things in life. You know, be concerned. You don't have a job. Get a job and go and work. There is, there is time to be concerned, but not be anxious. Being anxious will lead you to depression. Being concerned will lead you to victory. There is a difference in being concerned and being anxious. So our text this morning falls really easy on our laps. We have three things. One, the problem. Two, the solution. And three, the result. Very easy. Now look at the text with me again. And let's begin with this. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. The ESV says, do not be anxious about anything. And so Paul now is writing this command to the believers. Why? Because obviously, for Paul to say, be anxious for nothing... It's simple to understand. They were obviously anxious about things. There's obviously anxiety going on within the church. And what does it tell you, brothers and sisters? That we too can get anxious. We too can actually have times of, of anxiety. And Paul is encouraging the believers, stand firm, live in harmony, rejoice in the Lord, be gentle to all people. Verse 5, he says, the Lord is near. And now he adds, he says, stop worrying 
Stop panicking. Remember that Christ is near even at your door and he's coming back soon. Don't stress. Don't let things get to you. Why? Because it's going to affect you in every way, shape, or form. Which one of you is saying, I'm anxious, I'm having a happy life? It, they don't go together. I'm anxious, but I'm okay. It doesn't, doesn't fit. And the word here, let me just share with you, brothers and sisters, anxious means that you are consumed by something. You're distracted. You are divided. You are burdened and you are weighed down. This word speaks of a continuously drawn to be worried by a particular circumstance. Being anxious is actually just being controlled by this very thing. You are controlled by it. And what causes anxiety? People, persecution, as we've seen through Philippians. That's what's taken place here. What causes anxiety? Simple. You're not in control. You're not in control of that situation. And it causes you to be anxious. Now, who wants to live this way? So, I want to just share with you before I move on that when you go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist and, and you tell them about anxiety, you say you're anxious. I'm not going to get too much into all the details, all right? But they never tell you that anxiety in and of itself is actually what it really is, is fear. Anxiety is fear, is simply being scared. You're just scared. That's what anxiety really is. Beloved brethren, anxiety is our mistrust of God's providence in our lives. Anxiety is us seeing God so low and my issues very high. We are, we are putting our problems and our hurts and our wants and our whatever it is, you fill in the blanks, okay? We, we're, we're, thrown, we, we, we're actually putting them on the throne rather than God. It's our mistrust of God. Anxiety comes when we, the God that we love, we don't know him enough. We say we know him, but we don't know him enough. I mean, how can we as Christians, again, I'm aiming at you, brothers and sisters. How can we? Now, I am not saying people don't get anxious. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. We do get anxious. I'm just trying to encourage you because the scripture will give us how to deal with this. How can we be anxious, brothers and sisters, if we know that God is Yahweh? How? He's the self-existing God. That's the God I worship, don't you? How can we be anxious if we know that the Lord is sovereign? That means he's in complete control over every situation in my life. Whether they are looking good, looking dim, or looking bad, God is sovereign. How can we be anxious when we know that Jesus Christ, he is the first and he is the last, and there is nothing else in between? It's not that like Jesus is first and is last, and in between that, it's all you. No, it means that Jesus is here, here, and here. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He never changes. He's always present. How can we be anxious if God is always present? 
He's all-knowing, He's all-caring, He's all-merciful, He's all-love, He's all-faithful, incorruptible, perfect, holy, limitless in power. He's altogether lovely and altogether good. Amen? But we still get anxious. We still get anxious. Being anxious is nothing more than us mistrusting God. And it cripples our Christian walk. Being anxious instead of fighting that battle for Christ, instead of running that race, you know what you do? You sit in the stands and you watch everyone else run the race because you're crippled by anxiety. Instead of plowing the field in preaching the gospel, you you dig a hole in the field and you put your head in it. Brethren, I'm here to encourage you by by, by the power of God that we don't have to live this way. We don't have to live with anxiety. Paul later on in verse 13 says, I can do some things through Jesus who strengthens me, does he? I can do little things. He says, I can do all things, all things through Christ. Let us notice something. As much as the Apostle Paul said to the Philippians in a command to rejoice, and not only rejoice, but continuously rejoice in all circumstances, here he commands the believers to be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Continuously. I don't want you to be anxious at all. I think that's a loving thing. God does not want us to be anxious. We are forgetting who God is when we are anxious. I spoke to a brother about this, this text, and he basically said to me, I think being anxious is a sign of unbelief. Now, let me tell you what he meant by that. It's not that we believers don't believe in God, because of us, you don't believe in God, that makes you an unbeliever, okay? We believe in God. The sign of unbelief is that you don't believe that God at that moment is in control of your very trial testing sickness and you're not trusting in his sovereign rule that he has brought you in your life whatever testing whatever trial husband wife child fill in the blanks job annoying neighbor whatever it is he has perfectly placed them there so that you may grow that's a sign of unbelief that's that's what he meant by that there was a great book many of you know and have heard from Jerry Bridges calling Trusting God. In that book, he actually says, it is easier to obey God than to trust Him. Easier to obey Him than to trust Him. Think about this in your own life. It's easier to obey God. It's easier to come to church and even preach the gospel and do stuff, but it's harder to trust Him. I'll go and add a little bit more. It is easier to learn about God than to trust Him. It's easier to study the Word of God than to trust the God of the Word. It's much easier. When we study of all powerful God, the all-knowing, the all-wise God, the all-merciful God, the, the, the complete holy God, the all-good God, which we heard a couple of weeks ago by Brother Wes, and nothing that he can do, nothing, rather nothing that happens until God says, move. We look at the cross, we are humbled by that, because what is impossible with man, that is our salvation, it is possible with God, and yet we fail to trust him. Why? Why? 
Psalm 42, verse 5 and 6, the psalmist found himself this way. He's speaking to his own soul. He says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you come to disturb, to, to, be, to become disturbed within me? Then you know what he tells himself? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me, therefore I remember you. You see, when we get anxious, when we are troubled, it is simply because we forget the God that we love. How powerful he really is. And we ought to be like David and say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. That's our first point. I don't know about you, but I need to hear this truth all the time. We need to be reminded that God has whatever problem I'm facing in, 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 in the palm of his loving hands. We need to be reminded of that. That God has a greater plan than what we see with our own eyes so where do we go what do we do about this what well, brings us to the second point look at verse 6 again be anxious for nothing but all right whenever you see a but just look at it why why is he saying but but in everything by prayer and supplication, yeah, watch this, with thanksgiving, let your requests me be made known to God. Where do we run to? How does one deal with life issues to run the Christian life? I will remind you again, the Philippian church was a relatively healthy good church and i will remind you the person who says don't be anxious was under house arrest and he's saying be anxious for nothing then he says but by prayer how does paul tell these people he's in under house arrest how does he tell them to deal with anxiety pray he says pray and can I share something with you? And you just meditate this in your own heart. How often do you actually pray? How often? How often do you go to the closet of prayer and spend time with God? How often? It is the one thing that most Christians that I've spoken to always say, I'm lacking in prayer. And Paul says, pray. But in what? In everything. And what do I pray for? Well, you how? I pray with supplication. With which, which attitude? With thanksgiving. And then what? Then let your requests be made known to God. Oh, we will become people of prayer. And God will move mountains if we became people of prayer. But when we get anxious, what do we do? Instead of running to prayer, instead of running to the God who loves us most, we run to and fro. Let me go and see a psychologist, psychiatrist, smell some lavender, do some yoga, go for a run, uh, go for some swimming, do some gym. I'm sorry, that doesn't get rid of my anxiety. 
I don't know about you. This tells me to go to God. Go to God and pray. And in everything he says, go and pray. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, in contrast, bring this to the Lord in prayer. In every circumstance, in every situation, in every trial, every tribulation, every persecution, every moment, every day, bring it to the Lord in prayer. What is wrong with us Christians? We go everywhere else. When God says, come and pray, and I will hear your prayer. I mean, it wouldn't be written here if God didn't say to Paul, by the Holy Spirit, write it. How do we apply this? Just a quick thought. Your car breaking down, you get anxious. Just pray. Pray. I'm not saying God's going to fix your car. We'll show you this. This is not what this is saying. You need to pay your school fees. Pray. Your husband's still not leading. Pray. Your wife's still not submitting. Pray. Your children's still not believing. Pray. They rhymed. So it must be good. Pray. Paul calls these believers to pray. Imagine what a powerful house this little church could be if we prayed. If we prayed. Jesus, after driving out the money changes, he says it is written, my house shall be what? A house of prayer. A house of prayer. Believers are called to pray without ceasing. And here it says pray for everything. We ought to pray against sin, brothers and sisters. We, we, we ought to pray for holiness. We ought to pray for joy. We ought to pray for one another. We ought to pray for our kids. Because these are the things that can get you anxious. We, we ought to pray for God to, to, to deliver us, for grace, for protection and guidance. Pray that God's perfect will will be done in your life and anxiety will be a shady thing. Jesus himself, is he not the perfect pattern of prayer? Whilst under distress, he prayed, Father, if it be your will, remove this cup. Nevertheless, what? Not my will, but your will be done. That's how we ought to pray. And did God not answer Jesus' prayer? I say to you, brothers and sisters, yes, he did. He didn't remove the cup, but the prayer was answered because Jesus submitted his will to the Father's will. Do you know how I know his prayer was answered? Because you're here and you're here. Because God's prayer was answered, Jesus' prayer was answered because we are a testimony of God's goodness that he caused us to be born again. Rather than remove the cup, he bore the wrath of God and here you are today being born again. Amen? We oftentimes think that our battle is done with fighting and arguing and talking and chatting. Listen, brothers and sisters, according to Scripture, your battle begins on your knees. Your spiritual warfare begins on your knees. Now, the Apostle Paul could have easily said, listen, cut it out and stop doing this. Because being anxious is in fact a sin. You ladies are doing respectable sin. Wait for it. Because being anxious is, in fact, a sin. It's a respectable sin. We allow it. You know, it's okay. I'm a little bit anxious. You know. 
But if you're cursing, that's bad. If you're lying, that's bad. But if I'm anxious, well, that's not too bad. It's like anger. You know, we justify it. It is known by history books that the Lord's half-brother James had camel's knees. Do you know why? He was continuously on them praying. Continuously on them praying. And here it says, come to God with everything. There is nothing too big that God cannot change, nothing too small that God will not hear. There is no problem that God doesn't care about in your life as believers. Brothers and sisters, our prayers to God are a sweet-smelling aroma to Him because it shows that we trust Him and rely on Him even under such circumstances. Pray. What does it mean to pray? What does it mean to come to God and pray? Brothers and sisters, it's very simple. Talk to God. Commune with Him. Pray to Him means you are talking to God. How often do we talk with one another about the things of God, right? We talk to one another about the things of God. We go out and we preach to others about the things of God, and yet we fail to talk to God ourselves. What's wrong with us? What is it? Why would I tell you about God and then I fail myself to talk to God? What's wrong with me? If He's the most precious possession, that I ought to spend that beautiful commune time with Him. So, God listens to the prayers of the saints. Brothers, we have a direct channel to the throne room of God who is a loving, merciful, patient God who is willing to hear our prayers. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Are you, not, are you strong? All right, those young ones you think you're strong, don't worry, you'll become weak. We are weak. I have to say this. We are weak in so many ways. And it says he sympathizes with our weakness. Why? But one has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What a wonderful God. And Paul continues, he says, but you pray with supplication. What does that mean? It means plead with God, implore God. And then he says, with thanksgiving. If you can't come to God with thanksgiving, something is wrong. You come to God with thanksgiving. Your prayer ought to be a thankful prayer. Thank God that you're not dead yet. Thank God for your salvation. Thank God for what He's given you, what He hasn't given you, and what He will give you, and what He will hold back from you. Thank Him. Always. Continuously. Non-stop. Be thankful to the Lord. And then it says, let your requests be made known to God. It's not that God doesn't know what you need, but this is a beautiful invitation. Is it not? That God says, come to me. So he's inviting us children who are troubled all the time. There is something going on all the time. With the exception of a couple of kids here. Okay, There's nothing wrong with them. God says, come and wrestle with me like Jacob did. What a beautiful invitation.
Oh, how wonderful it is. When we bring our hurts and our troubles and all our wants, all our distresses, all our anxieties, it can be seen, but we lay it at the feet of the cross and we say, God, help me. Prayer is not calling upon God to change God's mind, but prayer is calling upon God to change me. And whilst He changes me, He draws me closer to Him. I'm going to give you two quotes and we'll move to the next point. William Perkins, love his writings. He's a Puritan, if you ever get a chance, read him. Here's what he said. He said this, In the preaching of God's Word, God speaks to us. In prayer, we speak to God. And the more we pray, the nearer and greater fellowship we have with God. He continues on saying, We pray unto God to honor Him in acknowledging Him to be the knower of our hearts, the giver of all goodness, the stay of our faith and hope, in whom only we put all our trust and confidence. This is the God that we worship this morning. Which brings us, brothers and sisters, to our third point. The result, the result, which is in verse 7. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God, and here's the result. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I can stop there and just say, Amen. But I want to go a little bit deeper, just a little bit. This word peace here, this word speaks of harmony in the soul. It it speaks of that calmness within the heart, that tranquility that you cannot get when you go and get a message and you hear the cling, 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 cling. That doesn't give you tranquility. In fact, if you're anything like me, that annoys me. That doesn't give me tranquility. This peace does. This speaks, speaks of health to your very bone. It speaks of freedom of fear. It speaks of the standing still and the calm assurance, all the opposite of anxiety. God's peace. It's no one else's peace. It's God's peace. It comes down from God Himself. In verse 9 here in our text, it says, The things which you have learned, we will talk about this next time, God willing, and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and what? And the God of peace will be with you. Paul wrote in Romans, Now the God of peace will be with you all. Amen. This peace does not come from worldly things, from doctors, from, from, from medicine, from circumstances. This peace is not this way, but it's vertical. It comes to us from the throne room of God as we submit our problems to Him. It is a supernatural peace. It does not come by purchasing a car or a new house or whatever. It comes from God, and He alone cheerfully and willingly is willing to give it to those who would humble themselves and pray. 
Now, I know in this church alone, if I may say, I know some people who have been tested personally and prayed with, within this church. And I can tell you the outcome was that they felt the supernatural peace of God in their life, in spite of the circumstances. Some of you have experienced child being born unexpectedly. Some of you have experienced a child being taken from you unexpectedly. Some of you have seen a loved one die. Some of you are suffering sickness that is incurable, pain that is unshakable, a problem that is unchangeable. And I have seen with my own eyes the supernatural work of God in those of you who have suffered these things because I know you're praying. I will go as far as to say that if you want to feel this supernatural, if you want to experience this supernatural peace of God, the only way to experience it is if you're suffering somehow. If you are actually in a testing or a trial or a tribulation in your life, this is where you will actually find yourself in prayer on your knees and experiencing this supernatural peace of God that no eye can see, but man can feel. Your anxiety, brothers and sisters, if you come to God, will be a thing of the past. When you come to Him, this supernatural work, it comes from heaven. If you recall the last time I gave an illustration about God being the full joy giver and all we got to do is cash in from God, that joy, we need to go to Him. For those of you who heard that sermon, we cash in. This one here, here's what we do. We grab our problem and we take it to the eternal bank of God whose CEO is Jesus and we bank in our problems and guess what he gives us in return? Peace. I think that's a, that's a great exchange. I give him my problems and my issues and my trials and my tribulation and he gives me peace in return. Well, what, a, what a wonderful God. And then Paul continues... And he says, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. This is, a, this is a, an alien peace. This is not normal. And the word there, surpass, should be read surpassing, which means it doesn't stop. It continues. It means that it surpasses all things. It's above all things, above all other things. It means that it's far and superior above everything. Surpasses greatness and value and time and space, authority and your anxiety. All comprehension. This speaks of this peace surpasses your intellect, your mind, your thoughts, your opinion, your judgment. This is an amazing peace. In fact, if you spoke about this peace to a psychologist or psychiatrist who are not Christians... They'll think you're mad. In fact, some of them might say, well, that's good. You feel good. Give me $100 and bye-bye. It's a peace that only God can give you. Only God can give you. This peace surpasses all reasoning, all mind, all problems. And Paul goes on to say, what does it do? Look at what it says. The peace of God which surpasses all, all comprehension will 
God. See, that peace now will guard you. What does that mean? This is a military term. God means will protect you. It becomes like your safeguard, hold you, strict, under control. This means that the Lord's peace is like a watchful eye to you, protecting you with his loving arm and his passionate way, and he guards your hearts and your minds. It doesn't leave anyone out, does it? Or anything. He says it guards your hearts and your minds. This speaks of all of your affections, your emotions, your intellect, all of you. And as a soldier will stand firm and guard his platoon, this peace is like that with believers. We can bring all these problems and all these issues and all our shortcomings and all our problems to God in prayer and God sets forth this peace around our hearts and our minds. Now let me just quickly say this, what we don't read here. I just have to say this, okay? It does not say God will remove your problem. You do not read that in a text. So let's not put in a text what's not there. It does not say. It says he will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He does not say he will remove the problem. What he says is that he's going to guard you through it. Whether he removes it or not, we leave that in his sovereign hands. And this guarding, brothers and sisters, I want to share something with you. It is God's peace. It's like a holy, electric, mighty fence that will not allow fear, that is anxiety, to get in, but will keep it outside of your hearts and mind. So he says, how? In Christ Jesus. Everything points back to Christ Jesus. All of it. In Christ, you can have the fullness of peace. Go to Him, run to Him, pray to Him, tell Him your issues, tell Him your problems, because Jesus said, Peace, I leave with you. Not like the world. I've given you a completely different peace. So come to me and I'm going to shower you with that peace. This is amazing to me. God is in control of all these things. But I can share something with you, as I said before. I've gone through some experiences in my life where I've experienced the supernatural peace of God that this is talking about. And you can only experience it. I'll say it again. When you are completely broken, whether it's sin, whether it's a trial or a testing, you are broken before this holy God and you're crying out to him and he gives you a peace that you say this to yourself, no matter what happens, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And I shared with the brother this very thing. I said, brother, I do not wish and I will not preach that I hope that you get sick and, and have trials and testing so you can feel this peace. I said to my brother in Christ, talking about this very thing, I don't wish what I went through upon anybody. 
But I desire, brothers and sisters, hear this, to live in that moment every day. I want to live in that moment of peace every day of my life. And if I want to live in that moment every day, maybe God has to bring some other stuff in my life to refine me because I'm a filthy sinner who still needs to be changed. I love living in that moment. I didn't enjoy the trial testing, but when God gave me the supernatural peace, that testing and that trial, it didn't even matter. Right? And some of you are nodding your heads because you know exactly what I'm talking about. It didn't matter. The problem wasn't removed, but I was moved to love God. So, let me just give you one little application from my unbelieving friends. Here's to you. Let me read something to you. There is no peace, says God, for the wicked. There's no peace with you. You can't be at peace with anything because God has not given you the eternal peace in Christ Jesus. You need to repent. You need to beg God. Your begging wouldn't be God Help me with this testing. You're begging or to be, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. I failed you. I've run against you continuously. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Cause me to have a new heart. Cause me to love you. Cause me to be born again. I am a wretched sinner. I am your enemy. But I want to be a child of God. That should be your prayer. Not the peace that we're talking about here. That's for Christians. You must start with the eternal peace that only Jesus can give you when you bow your knee to Him. For us, brothers and sisters, what do we do? First Peter says, Therefore humble yourself, under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in proper time. Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. How much does God care for you? He died for you, brothers and sisters. If that is the greatest act of love, then everything else is secondary. Everything else is nothing in comparison. And Jesus says, be anxious for nothing. Right? Doesn't Jesus say that? You can read that in your own time. So I won't take too much time. In chapter 6, verse 25 to 34, Jesus says over and over again, stop being anxious and trust me. Brothers and sisters, we have a God that we don't just trust Him at the foot of the cross. Just when we're saved, He is continuously trustworthy, faithful, loving and merciful and his desire is for his children to be filled with his peace amen father we come before you lord now oh, father how much trials and testing and tribulations can come in our lives but how good are you there is not one testing one trial one tribulation one problem one issue that you're not aware of 
You say, look at the birds of the air and the lilies. The Father looks after them. Then how much more do you look after your children whom you have bought with your own blood? How foolish are we, Father, that we don't come to you and pleading with you, Lord God, when, we're, when we are troubled. Please cause us, Lord God, to be men and women of prayer, trust in a holy God who desires to give us peace in this life. My unbelieving friends, Father, I pray that they will find absolutely no peace until they bow their knee at Christ's cross and their burden be lifted off and they find eternal peace in Him alone. We ask, Father, that you bless this word, your words, nothing that I said, Father God, may it be burned to eternal hell, but your truth will stand forth and bring us, Lord God, to an everlasting peace and joy in Christ Jesus until we see you, whether by rapture or by death. Amen.